There are men whose personal and professional responsibilities mean they can no longer tell the difference between man-thing and swamp-thing. There are men who know the names of all their children, but who do not know the members of Alpha Flight. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. Men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. With special guest grown-ass man, Joseph Scrimshaw. Hello, people, and welcome to another episode of Grown-Ass Men. This time, we get to talk about the best. The top of the line. Yes. Spider-Man. Spider-Man swinging around New York City. New York City. The amazing, the spectacular Spider-Man. Yes, this is an amazing run that you picked that you wanted to discuss. And yep. I just recently reread them today. Yeah. And uh, I recently to... reread them too. Just, just a pleasure to read them. And it was amazing because I remembered it very clearly, and I haven't read them since they came out. Uh-huh. And I remember buying a lot of them because they're twenty-five centers, and that was just when I started. Yep. I didn't buy any 20 centers when they first came out. What we're going to talk about today is issues 129 through 150. And I bought every single one of those month after month. I was waiting on pins and needles. They're great. For the next issue to come out. They're Uh, a notch, as we've been saying a lot, they're a notch above what's happening in a lot of the books. Yes. There's more thought going on. I don't know if the art is particularly so much better it's very good i like it a lot it is it's very good and when i see the when i uh, see the panels i am transported back to the chair that i sat in in my parents living room when i was reading those comics and yeah. uh, i really uh, i remember a lot of those panels very clearly you know you see like there's some stuff in like issue 148 and 149 where spider-man uh, gets drugged on a bus and he falls off the bus and I, right. I just I was flipping through it uh, the other day and there's this panel where he falls out of the bus because he passes out and he sort of falls on his face and I was like oh I, I just remember that so clearly like it's in my in my brain like yeah. whenever I draw something like I'm I'm hearkening back to those mm. sketches and the, those pages from Spider-Man I remember the covers really distinctly because that's when I just First discovering Spider-Man. Mysterio? Mysterio. Mysterio, Hammerhead, Scorpion. Some of the best covers in that run, too. I love those covers. They really stick out to me. What we're going to talk about is, in these issues, 129 through 150, is that there's a character called the Jackal. And he torments Spider-Man for these 20 issues. And... By manipulating various other supervillains, he tries to kill Spider-Man. And eventually, more and more of the Jackal's plan is revealed. However, the identity of the Jackal is not revealed until the very end. But what they're trying to do, in a way, in these books is they're, you know, it's like late 60s, early 70s, right? Oh, yeah. 
This is 74. like 74. So in a way, they're trying to recreate what was done maybe 10 years earlier when Ditko and Lee were building up to the reveal of um, the Green Goblin. Right. Where they had a lot of red herrings. The Green Goblin was this maniac with a crazy green face. You don't know who he is. And here, again, crazy green face. He's, you know, issue after issue. It's a mystery who he is. There's a lot of red herrings. And then it turns out to be the professor. Right. Um, You kind of saw it coming when he's always being nice to him and letting go stuff. One thing that struck me, because there's a lot of pretty famous villains. In fact, in the few issues that we didn't read, which are, I guess, in the 130s, I think the molten man also makes an appearance yep so there's like scorpion the very mediocre villains who are very popular and always show up in this book but then there's always like the green goblin or the jackal or doc ock or the lizard who are just as smart as spider-man and they those are always interesting stories yeah you know because people write them as like all right it's easy to outsmart peter parker Right. Which I like that. I enjoy seeing Doc Ock. One of the things, when you go through issue by issue, like issue 129 is the introduction of the Punisher. So in comic book stores, that issue is really expensive. Yes, it's a major key issue. Yeah, and it's a good issue. And the Punisher is good immediately. Like, he's a pretty cool character as soon as he gets introduced. He's different from other characters. He's He has some moral standards. He's not going to just, like, kill Spider-Man in a way like the Jackal wants to just, like, whatever. I don't remember the, what he does. And then he finds that he's been tricked by the Jackal. And right. the Jackal set him up and stuff like that. So that he's, <clears throat> he ends up siding with Spider-Man by the end of the book. Right. You know, we meet the Jackal, and the Jackal seems like his only power really all the way through it is he's got these sort of drug-tipped claws. claws. That's his only power. He's got nothing else. And that's why he needs a succession of one after another of these supervillains to do all his fighting for him. So in that issue, it's the Punisher. The next issue, uh, I have to say, although it's not the best issue of Spider-Man, it might be my favorite issue of Spider-Man ever because it's Hammerhead, The Human Torch, Doc Ock, it's the Spider-Mobile, which right. transforms into a jalopy, which right. I've forgotten about that. Like, he can hide it on the street by, right. like, hitting a button, and it turns into this, like, ugly car. And then there's a bunch of faceless goons. And faceless goons are always good for yeah. Spidey to fight. Yeah. Uh, and then the next issue, I have to I have to tell a little story about the, the following issue. 131. 131 has a very famous cover where Doc Ock is marrying Aunt May. Yes. And Spider-Man is swinging through the window of the church right. in the background, and the minister is in the foreground <laughs> with an open Bible. He's reading, and he says, With this ring, I the web? web? <laughs> because Spidey's thrown a web on the Bible to interrupt the service. Unusually so, funny for a cover. Yeah. It's fantastic. Fantastic cover. So... Uh, when I got married in 1995, <laughs> uh, I can't to, wait to hear what you're gonna just say to now. Carolyn Carolyn Baumler Bost. When we made our invitations for the wedding, you know there were some standard in, invitations that we could make, and I was like, what if we did one that was like when 
Spidey married MJ. And right. We, you know, we made that as our invitation. She was like, ah, I think that's really too much. Right. I think it's kind of, yes, I but guess. But then you said, no, I, let's go further and do no, like Doc Ock and Aunt May <laughs> with, with webs on the Bible. No, no, I, I, I was like, okay, I understand. It's the invitation to the wedding. Has to, it's pictures of us and everything. So that was lovely. <laughs> and then we get to the actual reception after we got married. We got married up in Maine. And we get to the reception and we go over to the cake and the cake was made by a friend of ours, mm -hmm. and it was a beautiful, you know, multi-tiered cake. But then there was this second cake, the groom's cake, which was also beautiful, right next you had to your the own main cake. cake. I had my own cake, and on the front of the cake was Spidey swinging in, and it said, "With this ring, I the web." Oh, how nice! It was fantastic. It was a surprise from Carolyn, and my nephew Stuart. Uh, Stuart Boss, who was I think three at the time, uh, he's he was a great kid. He was and he was prepared to be bored by right. this wedding. He had to go to his uncle's wedding. He was totally prepared to be bored. And then he saw that on the cake, Spider Man was there. And oh. he, his little three year old mind was totally blown. By oh, it. that's fantastic! He probably still remembers it. So that was issue one thirty one. Is like a you know. Dear to my heart. I love that whole idea of Doc Ock marrying Aunt May. Oh, yeah. But I'm so bugged, and one of the things that I liked about the movies is they make Aunt May not so fragile and old in right. the movies. There's certain cliches in the books that they keep doing that now feel a little bit forced, like the whole how Peter Parker is just so tormented about taking care of his aunt. He calls her from... He's in France. Right. To like fight Cyclone. I like that issue. I don't remember which one it is, but uh, that she Aunt May sits down with MJ and says, "You have to fight for your man." Right. You can't give up to Gwen. You know. If, right. If you want him, you got to go for it. Well, Aunt May's she's she's great. I just I agree with you. It's a bummer that she's always on death's door. <laughs> right. <laughs> she spent so much time in a hospital bed. Yeah, it's a little bit old, but. Uh, so, as the issues go on, you know, then the Jackal in issue 140, he's back and he's got this really butch uh, villain called the Grizzly. Yes, the Who, Grizzly. He's, and he goes like to a, uh, it looks like he goes to a spa and fights other guys who are kind of in workout gear. Right. The funny thing about issue 144 is that it's a great cover. It's the one with Gwen, Gwen's boots oh yeah and spidey's down on the ground and he says it can't out. can't be you can't be real you you're dead uh the funny thing is that that scene actually happens but it happens three issues later for me like what's happening in all these things is the main meat of the story is not the spider-man part but the peter parker dealing with gwen stacy coming back that's for me is the main thrust of these stories they're torturing the hell out of him. Just the idea. You know, his dead girlfriend, Gwen, is back. He really flips out. And then when he As we all out, would. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Can you imagine? And then he finds out that that she's a clone. The jackal comes back. He uses the scorpion. He uses tarantula. And then the jackal reveals himself and starts to admit what his whole plan was. That from the beginning, he's been 
Professor Miles Warren, who was one of Peter Parker's science professors. And in issue 149, everything comes to a head. Miles Warren reveals that he's the jackal, right. and his plan is that he's been in love with Gwen the whole time, mm. and he wants he blames Spidey for her death originally, so he cloned Spider-Man and Gwen, and he's right. actually going to use the clone of Spider-Man to kill Spider-Man. Right. For some reason, they go to Shea Stadium, and the way the Jackal is defeated is that Gwen eventually reveals that she's never going to love him because right. she's Gwen Stacy. She's, right. she's always going to love Peter Parker, so she's he's never going to fall get her to fall in love with him. Right. So he blows himself up, and they blow up <laughs> Shea Stadium. Right. And uh, uh, Dave Baumler was saying it's probably, it must have been a clone of Shea Stadium because Shea Stadium is still standing. That's right, it was a clone of the actual stadium. <laughs> That's funny. And then, you know, it, th there's a great ending where after the dust has settled, Spidey says, okay, let's get out of here. I'm going to take you someplace safe. And she says, but are, is it you or is it the clone? And he's like, well, it's me, of course. Right. And she goes, well, how do you know? Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't know. Which is great that yeah. he doesn't really know if he's the the real guy or if he's the clone. Then they have issue 150. Right. Where in one issue, and it's a different writer, it's uh, it it's Archie Goodwin. They, really? Like, I didn't notice Gary that. Conway wrote all the other stuff. Right. And now Archie Goodwin comes in and writes this one issue where he actually gets proof, scientific proof, that he is not the clone. That the clone is dead and he is spidey right, right and i was like oh come on it was it's much more interesting <laughs> right, if right, he, right if he might be the clone and you know they just they had to like put a button on everything and say no it's still spider-man it's yeah. not the clone i like the struggle that spider-man's having about letting go of gwen you know it's a real struggle that people have i mean not isn't always death and cloning but like you know, you have to let go of your past, you know. And he has MJ, who he actually does plant a huge kiss on, and that opens up their whole romance in right. that book. You know, he's like, he's really wrestling with these things. He's be It's becoming a lot more sophisticated emotionally, you know, more adult. Uh -huh. And uh, I like that. And I just think MJ is such a great character that, uh, you know, she's not like a typical faceless uh characterless woman in those books she has so much personality sue richards like has nothing compared to like what mj is like i loved peter parker's succession of christmas sweaters <laughs> all through these issues every issue he's got a new some like a black sweater with a cool zigzag pattern on the front or something. And MJ's making fun of him, of course. For the sweaters? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because he looks like a dork. Yeah. You have to give a shout out to Jerry Conaway, man. He really, those are great books. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering how much editorial discussions were taking place in order like, all right, here's what we're doing with the character. But it was like you have said before that the best product got the most love. Like, this was their top-line book, Spider-Man, and they spent a lot of time writing it. The, the writing is good. It's fun. The, 
is it Ross Andrew does most yes. of the art, and yeah. he's he's really good. Like he's Gil taken Kane over. Sneaks in an issue there, yeah, which was good. I mean, he was never my favorite, but he's action packed. He's a fantastic artist. Yeah, I love the thing also that Stan Lee says about Spider Man. Why he thinks Spider Man's popular is because his entire body is covered. You can't see any part of right he doesn't Spider-Man. have a cowl he has a mask yeah you can't see his lips you can't see so he could be black he could be white he could be asian he could be a, a girl he could be anybody right you you invest whatever you want in spider-man yeah and now another grown-ass rant from joseph scrimshaw i often think of spider-man as the most realistic relatable superhero there is when i was a young man spidey was an inspiration he was a scrawny broke, funny little smartass. He could shoot webs from his wrist the way I could shoot Star Wars factoids from my mouth. And yet, not one, but two intelligent, beautiful women loved him, Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. So I used to think of Spider-Man as relatable, and yet his origin story is the least believable one around. He's a teenager, kind of awkward, kind of angry, that all tracks. Then a radioactive spider bites him. He develops superpowers and becomes Spider-Man. That is pretty realistic, right? No, utter bullshit. If Peter Parker were real, he would live-tweet every step of his entire origin story. He would have a couple of normal tweets, like, just ate a donut, here's a picture of my eyebrow I took in the bathroom mirror, going on a field trip. Then the next tweet, in all caps, would be, HOLY SHIT! A SPIDER FUCKING BIT ME! Hashtag gonna sue. The next day... In case you missed it, here's an Instagram video of me sticking to the fucking wall. Hashtag, the fucking wall. The next day after that, it would be, you guys, I'm going to order a spider costume from Etsy and fight crime because YOLO. I mean, I still like Spider-Man, but it's, it's bullshit. Uh, people, please, I would like to make an appeal <laughs> right now. Anybody who has suggestions, please. Maybe you want us to do a whole set of episodes on Swamp Thing. Yeah, maybe you do. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. But maybe somebody you do. does. Maybe somebody you want... does. Maybe yes. Alan Moore does. Maybe you just want to hear a whole show about superheroes who had mustaches, and there's a few. It's not just Tony Stark. There's others. Uh, <laughs> I have right. to think about it. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, another great, fun episode. All All right, right, everybody. Goodbye, my friends. Woo!